today uh, there's a song which is very very old song it just keep coming on so I'm gonna quote it to you and receive it not receive it only to know about it but to declare it it says rain Jesus rain over all the nations of the world let the earth be filled with the glory of the Lord let the people come and worship before him for he alone is worthy to reign, reign, reign. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you reign over our lives. You reign in our homes. You re reign in our relationships. You reign in the Lord's ministry house. You reign over, over the live stream all over the world. Your love dominates and consumes us. And we are the recipient of this love that's on the side of us through Jesus Christ. And this love caused him to come to earth and die for us. Jesus himself came to die for us so we, he can take us back to you. We stand in your presence, Father, through the blood of Jesus in Christ Jesus to honor and bless your name. And that blood on the mercy seat ever speaks. And with that power, that blood of Jesus that's been shed on Calvary will never, ever lose its power. It's always speaking, always declaring, we are the sons of God. We are kings and priests and you know, Father God. We are in Christ, your beloved son, and we are ever with you till eternity. We give you praise. <laughs> Sing it to him, declare in heaven and earth the power of the blood. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Reaches to the highest mountain. 
the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it reaches to the highest mountains it reaches to the the blood that Jesus shed for me the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary way back on Calvary declare it the blood that gives me strength from the lose it will never lose declare it again church it will never lose it will never lose its power that song is a, is a word for someone you might have tears, you might have pain, you might have disappointment. You will be in a place where you feel trapped. But the blood that's upon you, the, the blood that persists you, the blood that's on your home, on your family, on your finances, will never lose its power. For the blood is the love of God in action. The blood of Jesus is a testimony what Jesus has accomplished and we have what he has finished. It is done deal. It's a victory all the way through. Look at the blood. Hear the blood speaking. You're never forsaken. You're never alone. For God never leave you, never forsake you. And the love of God that shed abroad in your heart never fails. You will never fail. You are always the head, not the tail. You are above only, not beneath. Look at the blood. The blood is a testimony of his mercy and grace. Look at the blood. Hear the blood. Jesus is in heaven and the blood on the mercy seat. You are before your father and you never fail. Look to him, the author and the finisher of the, your faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's come, let's worship our king when we're standing before him. His king Jesus, he's the soon coming king of glory. He is with you always. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. Come let us worship our king. Come let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. Hallelujah. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcome. He has done great things. He has done great things. Hallelujah. He's hero of heaven. Oh, hero of heaven. You conquered the grave. You free 
shall do also. Hallelujah. Because of the love of God. Because God is love and he is, his love is poured in our hearts. And that love never fails. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you. We are set free, Lord. To worship and adore and bless your name. We are free people. There is love that came for us. Humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again. Victorious. There is love. 
again. There is love that came for us, Jesus. Oh 
are stronger. Lord of all, Jesus, you are Lord of all, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Let the communication of your faith be effectual by acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Jesus, you are in me. Christ, in me, the hope of glory. Jesus, you are Lord of all, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus, you are Lord of all. And you are the word from the beginning and you never change. The word became flesh and it gives you praise and glory in this church, in this habitation of yours, in this city, in this nation this world. We give you honor and praise and glory. We stand in awe on the awesome work that you have done for us and in us. Lord Jesus, we give you honor, Father, and praise forevermore for sending yourself in Jesus to die for us. You with the word that the Hallelujah. Oh, 
after that name, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That name has been given to the church, his bride, the body of the Lord Jesus, so that we have that name. We function in that name. Whatever we do, we do all in that name to the glory of the Father. What a wonderful name. What an awesome name. What a powerful name. What a most high name. Oh, we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Lord. We abide in that name. We declare the authority of that name over every platform right now in the name of Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, the reality of that causes our hearts to be established with grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The grace of God, the riches, God's riches at Christ's expense. All that God has, all that God does for us, all because of what Jesus did. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. That is the grace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's just pray. Believe God as we go to the word and we believe for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, precious Holy Spirit of God, you are our helper. You are our teacher. Oh, and we thank you for helping us today. We thank you for giving us unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and the knowledge of who we are in you. The eyes of our understanding being opened so that we could know what is the hope to which you have called us. So that we know what is, what is the reality of this which you have brought us into. And that we might be able to function effectively in the kingdom of God, in the reality of who we are. To that end, strengthen us with might by the power of your spirit. So that not only do we receive understanding, but we also receive grace to walk in the truth and in the things that you unveil unto us today. We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, the, about this perfect peace. Glory, glory. Living in perfect peace. And there was a part one and there was a part two. Living in this perfect peace. Today, we're going to continue from a slightly different perspective. And today, we're going to talk about perfect peace. Perfect peace. Living in that perfect peace through the sacrifice of Christ. Through the application of the sacrifice of Christ, living in this perfect peace. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to begin here. Reading for a few verses. Verse 1. Hallelujah. Perfect peace. Living in perfect peace. How? Through the sacrifice. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those same sacrifices, which they offer continually, that's the blood of bulls and goats and the Old Covenant, the Old Testament sacrifices, with those same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make could not make those who approach God perfect. 
God wanted those that approach him to be perfect. What does that perfection look like? Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers, once, pur once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. So when God said he wanted those to approach him to be perfect, what does that look like? What that looked like was having no more consciousness of sins. To have no more consciousness of sins is the very essence of what being the righteousness of God is. God himself is righteous. And God within his being has no consciousness of sin. Christ within his being has no consciousness of sin. And Christ is made unto us righteousness. So this scripture says, the sacrifice that was offered up, which is the very sacrifice and the, the offering up of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that sacrifice accomplished this. It brought us into a place where we have no more consciousness of sins. In other words, it brought us into righteousness. And then it dropped down to verse 11. It says, in the old covenant, every priest stand ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. This was God's objective, that those sins would be removed, taken away. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, say one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. Why? Because the job was done. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, because for by that one offering, that one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what is the point here? The point here is this, that, that this righteousness has come and it is here because of the sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ, not only when we receive that sacrifice, makes us righteousness, but as we're going to see today, when you apply that sacrifice, it will cause you to not only be righteous, but to become established in righteousness. Let me repeat that. That sacrifice of Christ is what gives us the free gift of righteousness so that for everyone that is born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ by virtue of the sacrifice. But now, the very application of that sacrifice will cause you to be established in the righteousness, will cause you to become awake and aware and conscious of this righteousness which you have with God in Christ. So today, where, where are we going? We want to talk about how do you apply the sacrifice of Christ so that you can experience the reality of this righteousness, but I'm also calling it so that you might experience perfect peace. Well, why would we say that? Because the, the scripture says in Isaiah 32 verse 17 that the effect of righteousness is peace. Psalms 85 verse 10, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So the very, the very essence of righteousness is such that the righteousness produces peace. And we studied that over the last two, two teachings, over the last two weeks. So the, uh, the application of the sacrifice of Christ will cause you, yes, to experience and be ex established in righteousness. But the application of the sacrifice will cause you to experience perfect peace. Amen? Now... 
So now let's begin to teach and, and begin to put some things in place. What is the sacrifice of Christ? Now, many times we talk about the sacrifice of Christ and we speak about it from the perspective of we call it the cross, we speak about the blood, and so on. But let me break it down more specifically. There are basically eight elements um, of the sacrifice, particularly in terms of how you apply it, which is what we're going to be talking about today. There is the fact that Jesus died, there is the burial, there is the resurrection, there is, there is um, ascension, and then there's the shed blood. And as a result of those five, when we receive Jesus, there are, here comes these three for us. We now have the name of Jesus, we have the life of Christ, and we have the word or the promises of God. So there are these eight elements of the sacrifice, and the thing about the sacrifice is not only what Jesus did, but it's, what he did, it's not only what Jesus did for us, but it's also what he did with us. Why do I say that? Because God had placed us in the sacrifice of Christ so that you and I were crucified with him. That means we died with him. We were buried with him, number two. We were also resurrected with him, number three. And then we ascended with him to the right hand of the Father, which is where we function from, number four. And we were washed by the blood of Jesus and made righteous. But now coming out of those five applications is this sixth application. We now have the authority of the name of Jesus. And number seven, we have the life of Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ. And then finally, number eight, we have the word and the promises of God. They belong to us. So that is basically what the sacrifice is. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the application of the sacrifice so as to produce and to experience perfect peace. So what does this perfect peace look like? Just very quickly, Isaiah 32 verse 17 says that um, the effect or the work of righteousness is that it produces a freedom both from internal and external conflicts. In other words, it produces and on an emotional level, it produces an inner quietness and a confident trust. Amen? So that's one element of, of what this perfect peace looks like. Our internal freedom from internal and external conflicts and an inner quietness and a confident trust. Amen? And then another element of this perfect um, sacrifice, uh, this perfect peace that you can capture in terms of what does it look like? Shalom, the old covenant, it calls it shalom, which means what? Nothing broken, nothing missing, wholeness. Wholeness, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then a third element is the fact that because of the blood of the sacrifice of Christ, peace has, peace has been purchased, which means that everything has been reconciled to God's original intent as if sin has never been. By that sacrifice, what Jesus did to destroy the works of the devil was to basically cancel the, 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 all the... the um, Cursed activity that came into the human race and into creation because of Adam's fall. So by the sacrifice of Christ, he has purchased peace, which is everything reconciled to God's original intent, just as if sin has never been. Justification, just as if it has, sin has never been. Romans 5 verse 1 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace. Having been justified, just as if sin has never been, we have peace. Just as if sin has never been, we have peace. So that's what peace looks like. Now, in Colossians 1 verse 20, 
it reveals that this perfect peace is because of the blood of his cross. Which is to say what? This perfect peace is because of the sacrifice of Christ. It even goes on to say in Colossians 1, verse 21 and verse 22, that says this perfect peace is a, it comes as a result of a reconciliation in the body of Jesus' flesh through death so that we are presented in the sight of God holy, blameless, as if, as if we've never done anything wrong. Holy, blameless, and without fault. We have been reconciled in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the body of his flesh through death, which means by, the, by that very sacrifice. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So in this message, here is what we want to do. We want to see and understand and know how, how to apply the sacrifice of Christ so as to produce the experience of that perfect peace. Or we can put it this way, how to produce the experience of being righteous in right standing with God, oneness with God in Christ, righteous, that oneness, operating in authority, uh, the same authority as Jesus, operating in that place where we are free from condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity. In other words, we are in right standing, operating in that place where we know all the rights and the promises of God are yes and amen. You know, the scripture says this is the confidence that whatever we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have the petitions we desire of him. Oh, what a place of confidence. And that place is righteousness. That's what the righteousness of God looks like. And so what he's talking about is how do we apply the sacrifice of Christ so that we can experience the reality of that righteousness. So that we can experience the reality of perfect peace no matter what the storms are, no matter what crisis they may be. And you see, to experience the reality of righteousness, it is to be who you really are. Because your true identity is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, Jesus was made to be sin for you and I. Why? So that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now one of the places that this message is going today that you need to capture is this. That the very power for you as a believer to walk in victory lies in the reality of your true identity. The power for you to walk in victory lies in the true identity of the believer. Your, the, the believer's true identity holds all the power that you need to walk in victory continuously in any arena of life. And so this is something you must capture as we go through this. So as much as we are talking about the application of the sacrifice so that you can experience righteousness, be, ex be established in righteousness, that is very much the same as saying so that you can function as who you really are in your true identity and in the process experience perfect peace. Amen? All right, now, last week in Isaiah chapter, last week we talked about um, from Isaiah 26, verse 1 to 3, living in perfect peace. How? By being just as Jesus is. Jesus is the righteousness of God. Amen? And he has made unto us righteousness. So in Isaiah, um, so, so we learned from last week's study 
that to live in perfect peace, you must be the righteousness of God in Christ that you are. Let me read it very, very briefly. Isaiah 26, read it from verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Now, that day is this day. This is the day. This is the accepted time. This is the day of salvation. This is the day where Jesus has, has conquered hell, death, and the grave, defeated the enemy. This is the day when the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is the day where we can come and come boldly to the throne of grace by the name of Jesus. This is the day he's talking about. So in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation. For walls and bulwarks in that city, in this place, is where the blessings of the Lord are. In this place is where what God has done for us through Christ Jesus and his sacrifice. In this place, all of that stuff is in this city. In this place is the perfect peace. So it says, open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps truth may enter in. Open the gates, open the gates into this place so that the righteous can enter. The righteous that keeps truth, the righteous that knows the elements of the sacrifice and applies them, that's the truth, that he may enter. You will keep him, who? The righteous in perfect peace. So this perfect peace is for the righteous, and this perfect peace can be enjoyed by the righteous if the righteous would function in his righteousness. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen? Now, since Jesus is the righteousness of God, and since Jesus has made unto us righteous, righteousness, and since you are to function as the righteous in your righteousness in order to have this perfect peace, then it would mean then that since Jesus is your righteousness, you have got to function in him. You have got to function as him. In other words, like it says, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Since Jesus is your righteousness, you must be as Jesus is. As Jesus is, so are you. But as Jesus is, so are you to be. Amen? All right. And so we ended that study um, with a confession. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that right now so as to give you a quick comprehension of what came out of last week. And especially if you, not, if you didn't listen to it last week, if you didn't go back and listen to it. But this, this was the essence of what came out of it. I know and I believe everything has been reconciled to God's original intent by that sacrifice. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are righteous. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is in you. You are the righteousness of God. You are one with Jesus. You are as Jesus is continually. And so you are to think that way, believe that way, speak that way, act that way, and have an attitude that is directly reflective and consistent with the fact that as Jesus is, so are you. You are righteous. You have the mind of Christ. You must function with that mind of Christ. You have his authority. You have his name. You have his life. You have his word. You have his promises. That's what came out of last week. You are to walk upright in the truth of the gospel, which is you were crucified with Christ. 
nevertheless you live. Yet not you, but the life you now live in the flesh is the life of Christ and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. That old identity that is from humanity and from history and, and from race and from gender and from culture, all of that identity died and was buried with Christ. You've got to receive that. You see, you can't take on the new identity, which is the righteousness of God in Christ, wherein you are God's offspring, and you can't walk in that properly when you're still hanging on to who you are in the realm of humanity. That's the reason why Ephesians chapter 4, before it gets to verse 24, that says, put on the new man that is created in righteousness and true holiness, before it gets to, to that verse in Ephesians 4.24, it starts off back in Ephesians 4.22. And it says what? That you are to strip off the conversation of the old man. Strip off the way that old man used to think and believe and speak and his attitudes and his actions. Strip him off. And then it says, get renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man who after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what am I saying? I'm saying for you to walk in this new person that you are in Christ, you must strip off the old person. You must strip off the old person with his identity, what happened in the past, what he went through, what he didn't go through, his successes, his failures, whatever they might be, strip it off, you're a new creation in Christ. Now remember, why is this so important? Because your victory, walking in victory, in whatever arena, whether it be health, finances, this area, that area, to walk in victory, the power to do so lies in your true identity. And when you're trying to function in your new identity and still operating with your old identity, it's like putting, it is like putting new wine into an old wineskin. It's like trying to, it is like trying to, um, it's like trying to wash your feet with your socks on. Does that make sense? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have a new identity. In the old identity died in burial and resurrection. And a new identity came up in resurrection. Did I say that right? The old identity died in death and burial. The new identity that you are now, the offspring of God, the child of God, the new creation, God's workmanship. That new identity came up in resurrection and ascended with Jesus, and is seated at the Father's right hand, and washed by the blood. That's your new identity. You're an heir of God, and a joint heir with Christ, and you've got to walk in that reality. And first is your thinking. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That is why it is necessary for the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind to what? To who you are in Christ. To the new man that is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you've got to get a hold of this. And again, this came from last week. That I am not Jesus, but Christ is my life. Christ is my identity. I put on Jesus. I shine in the realm of the spirit. Why? Because I have on the armor of light. Jesus who is light. He is upon me. He is wronged about me. They that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Glory to God. Perfect peace is mine. Perfect peace belongs to you because you are the righteousness of God in Christ and you are endeavoring to walk in the reality of that righteousness. And so the scripture says, and I believe this is God's heart and prayer. Well, not God's heart and prayer, it's God's heart. But, but this is what God desires for us. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Lord of the Lord of perfect peace himself grants you his peace, the peace of his kingdom at all times and in all ways, under all circumstances and conditions, whatever may come. Perfect peace is perpetually yours. Amen? All right. So that's where we ended. Now, so now let's go on a little further. The conclusion of all of that is you can realize and live in perfect peace by being the righteousness of God that you are in Christ, by walking in your true identity, by being as Christ himself is. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Now, now let's go into some, 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 some different areas and some meat. How, does, how do you apply the sacrifice of Christ? How does the sacrifice of Christ applied helps you to experience this righteousness and experience the reality of who you really are? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. All right. So let's talk, turn to Romans chapter 1. And um, verse 16 and 17. We want to see how this righteous, how this sacrifice of Christ relates to righteousness. How righteousness relates to the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then how do we apply that sacrifice so that we can be established in righteousness, walk in righteousness, walk in the reality of who we are, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and so on. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, what is the gospel of Christ? It's the sacrifice. It's the fact that Jesus died, buried, resurrected, ascended, shed his blood. I am not ashamed of the good news, the gospel, the sacrifice of Christ. Because it is the power of God that produces salvation. Wholeness, preservation, deliverance, freedom, healing, perfect peace. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice because it is the power of God that produces salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Why? Verse 17. Because of for in it, in that sacrifice, the righteousness of God is revealed. In that, right, in that sacrifice, here comes the revealing and the unfolding and the, re the revealing of the righteousness of God from faith to faith. All right, so what do we see here? We see that this righteousness, you, first of all, you are righteous because of the sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that. He was made to be sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. But we also see that this righteousness is revealed by the sacrifice. This righteousness that we are in Christ, it is revealed by the sacrifice. It is like it's hidden in the sacrifice. So when we go into the sacrifice and we look at, ele and we look at element number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight, when we go and we uncover and we open up every one of them, what we will see is that we will bump into righteousness. We will begin to see righteousness unveiled. So righteousness is because of the sacrifice, but righteousness is also revealed by the sacrifice. 
So the sacrifice, in other words, brings understanding to this righteousness of God. It brings understanding to this righteousness, to this oneness that you have with God in Christ. It brings understanding to the authority that is yours as a believer. Because you see, the righteousness is oneness. The righteousness is the authority of Jesus. The righteousness is right standing with God. So the sacrifice brings understanding to this right standing that you have with God, which means you are being made free from guilt, from shame, from condemnation, from insecurity and inferiority. The righteous, the revelation, that as you dissect the sacrifice, then you get understanding of that. You get understanding that all of the promises of God are yes and amen, and they belong to you just as they do Jesus. Amen? So the righteousness, it is that oneness. It's no longer you, but it's Christ that lives in you. But now we also see from this verse, I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Why? Because therein is the righteousness of God revealed or unveiled. The application of that sacrifice will cause you, will cause you to take a hold of righteousness. You are righteous because of the sacrifice. The sacrifice reveals and gives understanding to your righteousness. But the sacrifice of Christ, when applied, will cause you to take a hold of your righteousness and experience it and become established in it. Let me just, let, let's just see that just a little bit. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 9, for Paul said, he says that I might be, first of all, he says, I forget about everything else. And I want to be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God, which is from God by faith. Paul said, I want to be found functioning in this righteousness which is of God by faith. And so he says in verse 10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable even unto his death. In other words, Paul says, look, nothing else matters. I want to be found in him and I want to be found functioning in the righteousness which is of God in Christ. And because that is what I am after, because that is my pursuit, therefore, for that reason, I, and because I want to know him, I, I, because of that, I want to know him. I want to be intimate with him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what? The fellowship, the intimate participation and share that I have in his suffering. And I want to be made conformable even to his death. What is Paul saying? Paul is indicating there that the application of the sacrifice is going to cause him to be found in Christ, not having his own righteousness, but the righteousness of God. Amen? Can you see that? All right. Well, let's look at it from another perspective. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1 says, Listen to me, you who are pursuing or following after righteousness. You who seek the Lord, well, he is righteousness. Look to the rock from which you were hemmed out, well, we came out of Christ. But it says also, look unto the hole of the pit from which you were dug. In other words, then, if you want to get a hold of righteousness, be established in righteousness, which means be established in who you really are. If you want to get a hold of that, it says, look to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. 
Well, what is the whole of this pit out of which you were dug? You came out of the sacrifice. You know, in the natural, you came out of your mother's womb. And because of your parents, your father, your mother, there's a lot we can learn about you, your physical makeup, your DNA, and all kinds of stuff by studying where you came out of. Well, similarly, you came out of the sacrifice, so there is an unveiling of who you are, of this righteousness that you are, as we look to the hole out of which you've dug, as we look to that sacrifice that you came out of. How can I say you came out of the sacrifice? Because God said that. The word of God says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, how that God placed us in Christ, and you were, and you were baptized into his death. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, Know you not that as many as been baptized in G into Jesus, you were also baptized into his death, and you were buried with him by baptism? And then Ephesians 2, verse 5 and 6 says, You were raised up together with him, and you ascended with him, and you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places, and we know you were washed by the blood. In other words, then, you, you, you came, that's exactly where you came out of that sacrifice. And we're going to see some more about that. In fact, in fact, let me say this. When Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. Well, there's a couple angles to that. Yes, there is the, uh, there is the perspective that says, if you, because he says, take up your cross and follow me. You want to be where I am? You want to be my disciple? You want, and to say to be my disciple means you want to be as I am. You want to be like me? Take up your cross and follow me. You want to be where I am? You want to be in oneness with me? Take up your cross and follow me. There's two sides to that. One side to that is, in order for you to live in this oneness, in order for you to be where he is, for you to be his disciples and to be like him, you are going to have to apply the sacrifice. You are going to have to apply, take up your cross, recognize, recognize, and deny yourself. Recognize that you have been crucified with him. Buried with him. The life you now live is the life of Christ. You live it for the glory of God. You are resurrected with him. You have his authority. You are, you are seated with him. You're going to have to apply that. But it, was, it, it does have that perspective. In that, take up your cross and follow me so you could be my disciple. You could be like me. You could be one with me. Where I am, you could be also. But there's another side to that, and it's this. Even as God the Father placed us in Christ, so Jesus was also saying to his disciples, and you can check it out in a number of places. For instance, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus had said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, because you are an offense to me. In John chapter, Matthew 16, verse 23. And then in verse 24, Jesus went on to say, Jesus began to give them the answer to this whole offense thing. He says, look, he says, come after me. Take up your cross and follow me. Come after me. What do you mean come after me? I'm heading to the cross, Jesus said. He had said that. It is because he had said to the disciples, he had said to Peter, and after Peter said, you the Christ, the son of the living God, and got all excited, Jesus began to talk to them and say, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. This is going to happen. And Peter says, no, you're not. Right? And he began to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you are an offense to me, trying to hinder me from going to the cross. And then what? So that, that, he was talking about going to the cross. And then what did he say? Come, take up your cross and follow me. 
come follow me. I'm going to the cross, come follow me. Why? He was saying, you're going to come, and you are going to come, and you're going to have to join me in that cross. In that, you are going to be in me. You're going to be crucified with me. You're going to be buried with me. You're going to be resurrected with me. You're going to be ascended with me. That is what Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 says. Know you not that when you were baptized and immersed into Christ, you were also baptized into his death, and you were buried with him by baptism. Glory to God. That was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. The scripture says how that in, in um. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, how that Jesus was slain from before the foundation of the world. Well, it also says, so Jesus, that sacrifice of Christ was from before the foundation of the world. But you were part of that sacrifice. You were in that sacrifice. From before this foundation of the world, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this is the mystery that was hid from the foundation of the world. What is that mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is that mystery? It's the fact that you were in him, that you were going to be crucified with him, and that when he was raised up, you were going to be raised up. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8, to make all men see what is their fellowship in this mystery. What is their part and participation in this mystery. Sorry, Ephesians 3 verse, verse 9. This mystery is about the sacrifice. And that was so before the foundation of the world. God had planned this. God had purposed this. God had, this was all the works that God were finished from before the foundation of the world. You say, well, why is all of that relevant? What is relevant is this. So Jesus was prophetically speaking to the disciples and says, look, I'm going to the cross. Come with me. Come follow me. Come follow me. You're going to be in me. Come follow me. You're going to be baptized into my death and everything else. It's the same thing he said in, in, in Luke chapter 14 and verse 23, I think it is, and in uh, 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 and Luke chapter 9 and everything else. He says, come follow me. Come follow me. B, you want to be one with me? You want to be in righteousness? You want to live where I am? You want to abide in me and me and you and you and me and me and you? You want to be one in us? Come follow me. Take up your cross. And then apply that cross continually. But then he also went on to say there's going to be a cost to it. There's going to be a cost to you going to the cross, but of course. There's going to be a cost for you to take up your cross daily. What is the cost? Jesus says, look, you for one thing, you're going to have to deny yourself. There is no man that is going to come after me that is going to love me and, and, and be my disciple. He says, unless you deny yourself, unless you, uh, uh, unless you hate mother and father and brother and sister and business and whatever else, for my sake and the gospel, you cannot be my disciple. In other words, he says, you're going to have to, all of that you're going to have to die to. Those things will no longer be first. And so he said there's a cost. And he even went on to say, I, I, I believe it's in Luke chapter 9, or Luke chapter 14, between verse 25 and 33. He says, which person is going to be going to war without checking to see, do I have enough, do I have enough soldiers? Do I have enough weaponry to deal with the enemy? Which person is going to build a house? And not make sure he has enough bricks. So he says, you come the cost. And you recognize that if you're going to come after me, there's going to be a cost. You're going to have to deny yourself. Hallelujah. Paul recognized that cost. And so Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul recognized that cost. Paul says, I die daily. 
Paul recognized that cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that this life of Christ would be made manifest. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. The life I now live in this flesh is the life of Christ, and I live it by the faith of the Son of God. But here is the price I have to pay, Paul says. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10, he says, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I live in this reality that I've been crucified with Christ. I live in this reality that that old Saul personality and everything else was buried with him. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead, I was resurrected with him. Like as Christ is seated at the Father's right hand, I might be here physically in this place, but I'm seated with him at the Father's right hand in that place that is far above principalities, powers, my dominion, any situation or circumstance. I live and I function from that place of ascension, that place that is a, that is a positional advantage over all the works of the enemy and anything the enemy can ever throw. Paul says, I live there, and that is why I am more than a conqueror. And that's why you are more than a conqueror. But you got to live in the reality of that place. But there is a cost. There is a cost. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says, Reckon yourself to be dead indeed, but alive unto God. Amen? So what am I saying here? What I'm saying is this. That the sacrifice of Christ, the application of that sacrifice, that, or, or rather, let me put it this way. This, that sacrifice of Christ, is what reveals the righteousness. That sacrifice of Christ, you came out of that sacrifice. This is the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Amen? Hallelujah. Now let's go and look. Let's have a picture of how much you are part of the sacrifice. That's so important. You see, you've got to recognize it because at the end of the day, you're going to have to walk this out. And in order to walk this out, you're going to have to apply this. You're going to have to live as if you were crucified with Christ, buried with him, all that old identity gone, and now you're living from the new identity that is resurrected with Christ. That new creation ascended with him, washed by his blood, free from guilt and condemnation and insecurity and inferiority. And you have the authority of his name and you have his life and you have the word that never returns void. You have all those promises that are yes and amen. This is where you're going to need to live. And, in the, and herein is the power of God. Paul says that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Where is this power of God? That First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Christ and him crucified. Here is the power of God. The power of God. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. The power of God for you comes out of your new identity. The secret, the, your new identity, the, the identity of who you are in Christ holds all the power that you need to live in victory. So let's capture a picture of how much you are part of the sacrifice. You know, when we have communion, that's what we are saying. I have a common union in everything Jesus did in this bread that represents his body. That's what you're saying. When you take that cup, the cup of blessing, this blood in the new covenant, what are you saying? I have, I'm having communion. I am having a common union with what Jesus did in the shed blood. But when you put the shed blood 
and you put the and you put the body, what he did in his body together, you've got the sacrifice. So you're saying, I have a common union. I have an intimate participation. I have a share in the sacrifice of Christ. Why? Because God placed you in the sacrifice of Christ. And that's why Jesus says, come follow me. I'm going to the cross. Come with me. You want to be where I am? Come on. Glory to God. <laughs> so let's capture this picture. How much you are part of the sacrifice. Your participation in the sacrifice. And I pray that this will just blast your thinking in such a way you'll never forget it. That the blood from that sacrifice will be dripping all over you. You'll be so sprinkled by that blood. It will affect your conscience. It will affect your thinking. It will affect your speaking. It will affect your attitudes. You will see yourself so much as part of the sacrifice that you will not be the same after this day in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter 15. Say, I'm part of the sacrifice. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Marakasakataba. Let me just read. Reading from verse 1. This is talking about Abraham. Now, now let me just go back and just, I'm just going to give you this a little bit. We're not going to go too far here. But nevertheless, let's go back to Isaiah 51 just for a moment. Brother Abraham. Yes, Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, hammed out, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. As I said, you came out. Isaiah chapter 51, reading from verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hemmed out. Look to the hole of the pit from which you were dug, which, like I'm saying, you came out of the sacrifice. And he says, look to Abraham. Your father, all right? So let's look to Abraham. What do we want to see? What we want to see here, we want to capture a picture of how much you are part of the sacrifice, this hole out of which you are dug. Okay, so Genesis chapter 15, reading from verse 1. Now, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now, for the sake of time, let me comment on these verses from the perspective of the sacrifice. These eight elements of the sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name, his life, and his word that is now yours. Let me comment on it from that perspective of the eight elements of the sacrifice. But let me also comment on these verses from the perspective of the four comprehensions of righteousness. Which is what? Number one, you are one with God in Christ. Number two, as a result of that oneness, you share the authority of Jesus. So the name of Jesus belongs to you. That's your authority. Number three, coming out of that oneness, you are a joint heir with Christ. You're an heir of God. And as a son of God and as a child of God, you've got rights and privileges. So all the promises are yes and amen. And then number four, because you are one with Jesus and that life of his is your life and you've been washed by that blood, number four, is the fact that you are in right standing, which means what? You are justified just as if sin has never been, so that in the sight of God, you are holy, blameless. You, sorry, in the sight of God, you are free from, yes, you're holy and blameless, but in the sight of God, there is no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, no insecurity, or, 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 or any other such thing, all right? So let's look at these verses of Scripture in, in um, Genesis chapter 15. As we look at Abraham, 
and as we be, uh, and um, and we and, and the objective is you need to see how much of a part of the sacrifice you are. Amen. But I'm going to comment on some verses from that perspective of these eight elements of the sacrifice and the four comprehensions of righteousness. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. At this time, Abraham has no children. He, he is barren. His wife is barren. But Abraham said, Lord God, what are you going to give me? Okay, let me back up. God said to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your exceeding reward. I am your portion. In other words, God is saying to Abraham that, that, um, I, uh, that you are in me. This covenant that I have with you, all that I am is available to you. I am your exceeding great reward, which is what the covenant does for us. But Abraham said, Lord God, what, 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 what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring indeed. One born in my house is my heir. It's nice for you to be my exceeding great reward and, and to have all these promises, but I don't have an heir. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham saying, this one shall not this one shall not be your heir. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards the heavens. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be. In other words, I mean, God says, I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. If you can just see yourself in that oneness with me, if you can just see this righteousness coming out of this righteousness, there's endless possibilities. And then God says, look, can you count the stars? Man, you're going to have more children than all of them. But now all those stars that you can count. And then in verse 6, and then it says, Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed and God says, you got to write to it. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, God, how am I going to know that I will inherit it? There's a lot of people living here. I mean, you're going to give me this whole city of Montreal. You're going to give me all of Toronto, all of Ontario. People are living there. How am I going to know this? Lord, I believe you. But, you know, like Mary says, how shall this be? Given I'm a virgin, how shall this be? And of course, the angel says, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and so on and so forth. So Abraham said, how am I going to know this? And so, now listen to this. And, and he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle, and he placed each piece opposite the other. Here is the point. God basically said to Abraham, bring all these animals and you and I are going to make a covenant. In other words, the power of this covenant. Once I make a covenant with you, the essence of this covenant says, whatever I have committed to, 
it is impossible for me to not to keep it. The essence of the covenant says that it is, God is saying it is easier for me to die and cease to exist than for me to break this covenant. The scripture is going to say in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, what happened? God, Abraham was convinced and God gave him something uh, which is the essence of this covenant where God swore and God says, hey, this is what it is. So Abraham, in other words, then the power of this covenant is such that it means to you and I, it is to bring us into a place of being so absolutely convinced and to be fully persuaded that what God said, he's going to back it up. That's important because you see, when we take the blood of Jesus, when we recognize this righteousness, when we recognize the sacrifice, that sacrifice says that because of this sacrifice, it is impossible for God to lie. So the reality of this sacrifice can so blast your thinking that it will destroy any element of doubt and unbelief. That's so important. Hallelujah. And so God says, bring, the, bring me these animals and divide them up. And so Abraham divided them, put, you know, put the one half here and the next half there. But can you imagine what was happening when Abraham was cutting up that animals? Can you imagine the blood? Can you, and the smell of that blood, the feel of that blood. The blood feels funny. And that blood was probably squirting in his face, squirting on his body, staining his clothes. That blood was all over, the, all over him. Now, the blood has been all over you. The word of God says that you've been sprinkled by the blood in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 9 that when, Abraham, when Moses made the covenant, he sprinkled both the book and he sprinkled the people with the blood. You need to know that that blood has been on you. I mean, there were those that were on the foot of Jesus' cross when he was speared and blood and water came out of his side. Some of that blood came on those people. That blood is on you. You receive that blood, the power of that blood. That blood declares you've got a covenant with God Almighty. This everlasting sacrifice is such that what God has promised, he will perform it in the name of Jesus. Let's continue. And when the vultures came, Came down on the carcass. Abraham drove them off. Thank God you and I have the sacrifice. But let me tell you something. The spirit of religion, the traditions of men, the deceptions of the enemy will try to come and take some of the power of that sacrifice away from you. And you got to drive them off. They will make you think that, it, that this has passed away, that has passed away, that this communion doesn't mean anything, that this communion means you've got to be so perfect and worthy and deserving. No, and, 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 and it could make you twist it and not understand what it means to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus worthily. What does it mean? It means you've got to discern the Lord's body. You've got to recognize what's involved here. And when you do, and you appropriate it correctly, the scripture says you're not going to be weak, you're not going to be sickly, and you're not going to die early. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. But deception and religion will try to steal that stuff away from you. It will cause a veil to be in your mind so that you can see the glory and the majesty and the excellency of God and the greatness of his power and the, and, and the preciousness of his promises. So what do you have to do? You got to chase those vultures off. You got to rightly divide the word of God. Make sure that you get a hold of the truth. It is your life. Glory to God. Without it, the scripture says, when we don't understand the power that we are working in, 
that we are walking in and what truly belongs to us, then we perish for lack of knowledge. Then we die like mere men. Amen? Anyway, so let's look on here. So now, so when the vultures came, he drove them off. But now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Here Abraham was. He passed out. He's sleeping. He's in a deep sleep. And all this blood, all these animals, all this sacrifice is all wronged about them. That's a picture of you. You are in the sacrifice of Christ and that blood was on you. And then he said to Abraham, God spoke to Abraham. I thought Abraham was sleeping. Yes, but God is speaking. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will be, uh, be afflicted for 400 years and also the nation, skip, 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 skip. Let me just go down. And it came to pass when the sun went down, verse 17, and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces while Abraham is passed out sleeping. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants, I will give this land from the river of Euphrates, etc. The scripture says in um, Galatians 3 verse 8 that God preached the gospel, the gospel which is a sacrifice to Abraham, saying to him that in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Your seed, this is how it's going to be. So that gospel was preached to Abraham, and it says that if you be Christ's seed, you are also Abraham's seed, and you are heir to the promise. Galatians 3 verse 29. So here is my point. Here, what I need you to capture is this. That even as Abraham was here, in the midst of all of these animals, all of this blood, so were you. You were in Christ. You were in the sacrifice. You were sprinkled by that blood. And even though you may have been not aware in a sense, and, 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 and as it says here, here comes this, this smoking oven and this burning torch and they're uh, uh, in between. So God the Father and Jesus, they were making a covenant. You are in a new covenant. This covenant is unbreakable because it's made with Jesus who cannot break it. It was made with the Father who cannot break it. And you have just been passed and you just come into that covenant. This is the power of the blood of the everlasting covenant that you are in. But it is as much yours as it is, as it is Jesus, because you were in him. You were in him. And so this covenant is with you. Glory to God. So, you were in that sacrifice. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. You were in that sacrifice. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. What is this mystery? It's Christ in you the hope of glory. What is this mystery? It's the sacrifice. But now it's made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience of faith. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are part of the sacrifice. You have a common intimate participation in it. First Corinthians 2 verse 7 talks about the fact that about this mystery. 
this mystery. Now, Jesus talked about it in John chapter 6. Say, I'm part of this. I was part of the sacrifice. Now, in John chapter 6, reading from verse 53, listen to the words of Jesus. He says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Because my flesh is, blood, is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him as a living father has sent me and I live because of the father so he who feeds on me will live because of me this is the bread which came down from heaven amen so you're part of that I know now let's now let's let, let's let's um okay let's let's go through this now so now you have it says great peace through the word of the cross let me just show point point this out first First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, now again, I can see the landing strip. <laughs> the plane is going to be landing soon, so get ready. Fasten your seat belts, all right? <laughs> You're not going to need an oxygen mask or anything because we're going to have a nice, safe landing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, which is the sacrifice, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ, which is the sacrifice, should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross, that's the sacrifice, is foolishness to them, those who perish, but to us who, are, who believe, it is the power of God. What is the power of God? The message of the cross. What do you mean the message of the cross? Can I use this phrase? The message of the cross, which is the sacrifice. Let's put it another way. It's the word of the cross. The word of the cross. The word of the cross is the sacrifice. All right. Accept that. Praise the name of the Lord God forevermore. Hakataba, sakatakataba. The word of the cross. Hebrews chapter, chapter 5. And verse 13 calls it the word of righteousness. All right? All right. But let's just take this, the word of the cross. Now, we're talking about great peace. We're talking about perfect peace. We're talking about being established in righteousness. We're talking about walking in your true identity. Isaiah chapter 54, reading from verse 13. And my children, this is God the Father prophesying. He says, my children will be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace. Of his children that are taught by the Lord. And in righteousness you shall be established. Whatever it is that he's teaching them. That gives them this great peace. Is causing them to be established in righteousness. And they're going to be far from oppression. What is the point? Here's the point. What There is great peace. Great peace of your children in righteousness. There's going to be great peace in this righteousness. There's going to be great peace. In righteousness, but it also says they were taught what was being taught. I present to you that what was being taught by the person of the Holy Ghost is the word of the cross. It's the word of the cross. Now, again, hold that phrase great peace. Now, Psalms 119 and verse 165 says, Glory to God, it says, Great peace. Perfect peace, great peace. Have those who love your law. What law? The word of the cross. Nothing will cause them to stumble. Nothing will trip them up. The devil will not have any advantage of them. Why? Because of the word 
of the cross. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They that love the Lord, love the cross, love the sacrifice. Psalm 119, verse 45. You don't need to turn to it. It says, I will walk at liberty. I will walk at liberty. Because what? Because I seek your precepts. I seek and I pursue this word of the cross. Liberty because of the sacrifice. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast in that liberty. So, how do you apply the sacrifice in order to produce this righteousness? Which is to say, and remember, there are four comprehensions of righteousness. Oneness with God in Christ. Authority. Rights. And right standing. And then there's eight applications of the sacrifice, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his blood, his name, his life, and his word. So the question is, how do you apply these eight elements of the sacrifice in order to bring fulfillment or establishment to these four elements of righteousness? How do you do that? How can you apply these elements of the sacrifice to meet the specific comprehensions of righteousness. Now, I'm going to do this very quickly. Well, the one element, oneness, and I'll do this in five minutes. <laughs> the one, righteousness, the part, element, um, comprehension number one, righteousness, or oneness. Well, Galatians 2.20 says you've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. So this oneness comes directly because of death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Why? You were placed in Christ. Galatians 2.20 and Romans 6 verse 3 and 4. Know ye not? When you were baptized into Jesus, you were baptized into his death, you were buried with him by baptism, and then Ephesians 2.5 and 6, you were resurrected with him, and you ascended with him. You say, well, what the, how does that work? Well, what it means then is this. You see, you got to apply this truth. We talk about meditating in the word, but part of meditation is, medi is having, using your imagination. It says in first Psalms 2 verse 1, the wicked men imagine a vain thing. They, they envisioned it. They meditated in it. So there is that, so you got to see yourself. Died with him. Buried with him. Resurrected with him. Ascended with him. You got to see that. And you see when you meditate in that, that meditation, the, med the process about meditating is that it will bring you to the place where spiritual reality becomes real. So that it's not some figment of your imagination, but it becomes just as real as the soulish experience of having a nightmare. It becomes just as real as the physical experience of stomping your toe. Well, there's spiritual things can become just as real when you meditate in the Word of God. So there is that oneness that comes directly out of death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then there are the promises, the Word of God. Well, Colossians 1 verse 12 says that we are being qualified for all of the inheritance because of the blood of Jesus. So the blood speaks to the fact that all of the inheritance is yours. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16 to 20, it says, it says that when, when someone makes a will, that will cannot be enforced or you can't cash in on a will until the person that makes the will has died. Well... Jesus has died, and the blood is the proof that he died. So that blood speaks to the fact that the will is, is in force, 
the, in the inheritance is yours, and all the details of it, which are the promises, belong to you. So again, the blood speaks to, the, to that element of your righteousness, sonship, promises, the word of God, because you're a child of God, you are joint heir with Christ. The blood declares that. Galatians 3 verse 29 also says what? It says that if you be Christ's seed, you are Abraham's seed. So the blood speaks to that. Amen? And we saw with Abraham as he was there in the midst of all that sacrifice and God was making certain declarations. He may have been asleep, but every one of those declarations, they belong to him. Amen? So you've got to see yourself in Christ. You've got to see yourself that even when Jesus was raised up from the dead, and it's recorded in Hebrews chapter 1, and God was saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm, I, I mean, I give you the most excellent name. You are heir of all things, and let all the angels worship him. When God was, in Jesus' coronation, you were in him. The same way, and you were a witness to all of those words and promises that were made to Jesus. And when they were made to Jesus, they were made to you. Amen? The same way when God and Jesus were cutting that covenant and Abraham was passed out in the middle of all of that, those pieces of the animals and caused all those sacrifices, they belong to him. And so you've got to envision that. You've got to envision that. You were there just like Abraham was also there. And then there's the right standing. The right standing. No condemnation, no guilt, no shame. We have read that the worshipers that, that, that approach God must have no more consciousness of sin. And the blood of Jesus, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the sacrifice of Jesus has provided that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. And so the scripture says in Romans 5, verse 9, because of the blood, you are justified, just as if sin has never been. Colossians 1, 21, verse, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says, you are reconciled to God, and you've obtained this perfect peace, how you are reconciled to God in the body of his flesh through death. So what are we seeing here? This right standing that you have is because of the blood. And of course, as and the very life of Christ, because the life of Christ is the picture of your righteousness. No condemnation, no guilt, no shame. Do you see any of that in Jesus? Well, as he is, so are you in this world. So what do we see here? We can see through the very life of Christ and the blood, that aspect of, of that comprehension of righteousness is yours. And then finally, authority. The name of Jesus belongs to you. The name of Jesus is the revelation of your
Tell me when I could continue. Hmm? Okay. Technical difficulty. Anyway, let's continue. So then, now, so the authority, the authority that they get, which is that fourth comprehension of righteousness, we can see that and it is appropriated through the name of Jesus, which is one of the eight elements of the application of the sacrifice of Christ. But it is also from the place of ascension. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7 says that through the mercy of God, we were, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God raised us while we were dead in trespasses and sins. He raised us up together with Christ. And he made us sit together in heavenly places far above principalities and powers, that in the ages to come, he might demonstrate his love and kindness towards us. In other words, then, your authority comes from the place of ascension. Let me give you a quick snapshot of what that looks like. There was a situation in the book of Acts chapter 19 where Paul was casting out devils, healing the sick, and, 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 and handkerchiefs taken from his body. Miracles were happening. And there were these, there were these sorcerers. There were these, um, the, these ex exorcists. And there was these sons of Sceva, and they decided we're going to do it too. So they went and they tried to cast out a demon out of a man and say, and, and say in the name of the same God, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul serves, and so on. You know, I cast out this demon, and the demon, did, the demon turned around and said to them, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? And the demons attacked them, seven of them, stripped their clothes off, beat them up, and they ran away wounded and naked. Now, why was that? Number one, they did not have the right to the name of Jesus. Number two, right, the fact that, you, you see, the thing is, we have the name of Jesus. But that's one thing. But another element is this, where are you functioning from? You need to function from where you are in Christ, that place of advantage, that place of ascension. Peter said when there was a man lame at, 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 at um at the gate of beautiful in Acts chapter 3 when he was begging. And Peter says, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The name of Jesus belongs to you. The position and ascension belong to you. The authority of Jesus belongs to you. But it is as a result of the name and it is as a result of the place of ascension. So what I was just simply pointing out is when you look at the four elements of, the, of righteousness, you can look into the eight elements of the sacrifice and you can match them up and see how that you are righteous and your true identity comes into play. So let me finalize it by simply saying this. As you and I exercise and practice the, the various elements of the sacrifice of Christ, as you practice, meditate, get your mind renewed, operate, I'm dead with Christ. Buried with him, resurrected with him, ascended with him, washed by his blood, have his name, have his life, have his word. The promises are mine. I'm confident in them. When you begin to do that and you develop in that, you exercise in that righteousness, what will happen? Well, as you exercise in that sacrifice, as time goes on, you'll become more. Not only will you become aware of the fact that you are righteous, you are one with God in Christ. And you become aware of what your true identity is. But in the process, you become established in righteousness. And what happened? Then what happened is that the power of God begins to operate. Now, I'm going to close with this scripture. And it's so important. Listen to this verse. The scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. The scripture also says in, in Psalms 82 verse 5 and 7. That when we do not know who we are. And we do not have understanding. Then we are just like mere men. 
and we die like mere men. We suffer the same issues and we don't have the victory we should. But as bad as that is, listen to Psalms 4 to 5, 4 to 9, and verse 20. And I'm giving this to you so as to provoke you. Provoke you to get a hold of who you are and begin to apply the sacrifice of Christ and walk as who you are. Listen to what Psalms 49 verse, verse 20 says. A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beast that perish. A man who is exalted and has been given honor, raised up together with Christ, is a new creation, but he does not know it he dies like a beast in the field. That's horrible. But that tells you and I that it is imperative that you get a hold of your true identity. That you get a hold of the fact that you are righteous. Because without it, then you're not going to escape the corruption that is in this world. And you will die just like a mere man and be like a mere beast. Die like a mere beast. That's what the word of God says. So you've got to function in the reality of who you are. You've got to function as God's offspring, as the righteousness of God. You must awake to who you are in Christ. This is the pathway of the righteous that becomes brighter and brighter. What is that pathway? It is the application of the sacrifice of Christ. I pray that you get this. I pray that you go back and listen to this because this is your destiny. It is your destiny is at stake. You see, God says, I've got a good plan and a good future for you, but it is not automatic. It only happens as you engage the word of God and as you be a doer of the word. Yes, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. However, you got to know the truth, apply the truth, and then you will experience that freedom. As Jesus is, so are you in this world, and that's how you are on the inside. However, you've got to apply that and as Jesus is, that's how you need to be. You are the righteousness of God in Christ, but you need to apply the sacrifice so that you can have the, so that you can experience that righteousness and be established in it. Amen? I pray you receive this word because it is your life. It is your destiny. It is your future. And all those wronged about you that are to be affected by you. You are a light in this world, but you got to be, that, that lamp has got to be lit. Amen? May the, may the power of the living God, his truth, come upon you so that you will not only be the righteous that enters through that gate, but you will be the righteous that keeps the truth. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless my brother, bless my sister with enlightenment, with understanding, and with grace in this dimension that they would walk this out in the name of Jesus. Stay strong and you be blessed. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's receive the tithes and the offering and bless the Lord in our giving. Amen. Now, it says in Daniel 12 verse 3, and I'm sharing this with you uh, um, as a motivation for you to give, but you are to give because you love God. But I just want you to know what it is when you give to this ministry. What is it all about? Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And then it says, those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. This ministry, we have a very single, very clear assignment. And that is to take the truth about righteousness to many. To take the truth about righteousness, being established in righteousness, to believers all over this world. And to do so 
for them to establish in righteousness by having the comprehension of the application of the sacrifice of Christ. So when you partner with us, when you give to this ministry, what are you doing? You are participating in our assignment, which is to establish believers in righteousness through the revelation of the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? So I just invite you to give, and the information how you can give is on the lower thirds on your screen. You can give by text. There's a number of different ways you can give. E-transfer if you're in Canada, and a number of other ways. So do so from your heart. And Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus for my brother and my sister, that even as they give, Lord, you would conform their giving. They're not giving to get, but your word promises that it will be given back to them. Your word promises that you will rebuke the devourer for their sake. Your word promises that you will open up the windows of heaven above them. You don't need an open heaven. We need an open heaven. They need an open heaven. So I pray that as they give today, Lord God, that you're going to show them kindness. You're going to show them favor. And that you're going to cause supernatural increase to take place in their lives. That you're going to cause even death cancellation in Jesus' name. That people were given to their bosom. Father, I thank you for your blessing, increase, prosperity upon your church, upon your people, upon my brother, and upon my sister in the name of Jesus. Amen? You are blessed as you give. Stay strong. Stay blessed.